Laura loved Jiro, and you could hardly blame her as Jiro was almost freakishly gorgeous. He was half Japanese and half German, resulting in cheekbones, eyes, and overall facial structure that made you think when you looked at him, you know, if World War II had gone the other way, it wouldn't have been all bad because we might have gotten more of these. Laura was something of an axis of fine herself, and when the two of them finally got together, you couldn't take your eyes off them. It was like the perfectly realized apex of natural selection in action. Added to which, they were both shy, sweet people, which meant you couldn't hate them for their genetic advantages or accuse either one of serving as an accessory for the other. Adding considerably to their allure as a couple was the fact that they had a Romeo and Juliet thing going on with both of their sets of parents violently disapproving of the relationship on primarily racial grounds. Which I guess is more West Side Story than Romeo and Juliet, and that's more fitting anyway, since Laura did musical theater, which is where me and my friends and other people who knew Laura got most of the juicy relationship information, all about its progress and its taboo. The particular musical we were all working on at the time was Gilbert and Sullivan's HMS Pinafore. I'll pause here to share a few words about HMS Pinafore. I'll, I'll kick things off with two things expanded upon until they are about nine things. I was not actually in HMS Pinafore. I was a student director, as I can sing loudly, but not prettily. But even if I could sing, I would not have wanted to be in HMS Pinafore, because HMS Pinafore is the biggest piece of voluptuous, festering, stinky turd that has ever hoofed and trilled its way across any stage, which it continues to do year after year after bile-raising year. And secondly, if you were once in this play and you think it's just great, I'm sorry. I'm sure you were a revelation and that your school put on a much more high-quality production and you were great and your production was great, but Jesus HMS Christ. I emoted so hard just then that my headphones flew off the back of my head. I apologize if you heard that. Do you know why the phrase musical theater will so often conjure up a disturbing and repeating image of a bunch of sailors doing that dance in a line where they cross one leg over and march shuffle to the side where they have the elbows akimbo, hands in fists, sort of rocking their arms side to side, sort of like a line of androgynous Popeyes. The reason is because you can't have HMS Pinafore without that goddamn sailor dance. And they sing and they sing and they sing and they sing. Oh my God, I'm called Little Buttercup, dear Little Buttercup, 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 ah, ba 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 ha, vomit. 21 songs in this production, and many of them get repeated, and each one seems to last approximately 45 minutes. So that makes 15 and three-quarter hours of sailors going, oh, da-da-da-da, I'm called Little Buttercup. You're in for if you ever go see this thing. The H and the M and the S stand for huge mound of shit. Here's the overall plot of the play. There's this rich girl, Josephine, and her rich dad wants her to marry this one guy, but she falls in love with a sailor and her dad doesn't approve, but then later on he does because it turns out he wasn't rich anyway, the first guy, because there was a mix-up at the hospital where he was born the end. Laura was hoping her own dad would have a similar change of heart, but it didn't look likely. 
Laura played one of the onboard society ladies who clustered together and whispered and overheard a lot of stuff. A line of sailors were on stage singing about how great their boat was as Laura ran off stage into the wings where her friends and admirers were waiting. We were all, by the way, student directors. Student director was a glorified title given to people who stood around holding copies of the script and shouted out lines when actors forgot them and ran around doing various errands for James R. Coburn, the non-student director director and our emotional drama teacher. Oh, God, whispered Laura as we girls quickly surrounded her in a protective cluster. I'm so upset. I totally can't concentrate today. Ooh, we all cooed. Are you and Gerald okay? One girl asked. Quiet in the wings! screamed James R. Coburn from the other side of the stage. We all scurried off to an alcove where some of the larger props were stored. It was the worst, said Laura. You wouldn't believe it. Jiro's mom and my mom and dad met each other for the first time last night. It did not go well. All the rest of us leaned in and made sort of sympathetic chicken-sounding noises. So first my dad was totally refusing to go, said Laura. He's so awful. He's like Archie Bunker. His dad was in World War II and my grandpa on my mom's side was in World War II and my dad kept saying like all these really awful racist things and saying how the grandpas would rise out of their grave if they knew their daughter was dating a half German, half Japanese boy. And I was like, fine, dad, I don't even want you to go, but you can't stop me from seeing him. And he's all the hell I can't miss him. And I'm all whatever. And my mom's all, Andrew, you can't forbid her from seeing the boy. You're just going to make her rebel and she'll want to see him all the more. And I'm like, I can't want to see him anymore. I already love him. And it's not about rebelling from you guys. You can't tell me who I love, right? And my dad goes, that's right. Nail in another coffin in grandpa's grave. Go ahead. And you're going to have a hard time driving to see Rice Boy when I take your car away. We all gasped in unison, both at the delicious, dramatic, luxurious pain Laura was suffering and at the horror of her father's threat. Laura drove a completely awesome candy apple red Mustang convertible. It was the envy of everyone. So, okay, said Laura. My mom talked my dad into going finally, so we all met up at Harmon's. All of us nodded knowingly. Harmon's was one of the two fancy restaurants in town that everybody went to before formal dances. And Jiro and his mom were already there seated, continued Laura, and I could tell by looking at Jiro's face and his mom's face it wasn't good and she hadn't wanted to come either. I need all the aunts, sisters, cousins, and able seamen on stage right now where you should be already for carefully on tiptoe stealing, please, shouted Mr. James R. Coburn. I gotta go, that's me, said Laura, and ran on stage with the rest of the cast. Carefully on tiptoe stealing meant only three more horrific, horrific, shitty songs to suffer through, but none of us could feel joy about that fact as we were too vicariously mired up in Laura's real-life soap opera. I bet she and Jiro ran away together after graduation, guessed one girl. Not if Laura gets her car taken away because Jiro doesn't drive, another girl pointed out. There was a loud crash on stage. The girl closest to the sidelines peeked around the side curtains. Ralph Raxtraw just knocked over the decanter that had the fake wine in it, she reported. Student director, yelled Mr. James R. Coburn. I need a student director to come on stage immediately, please. Bring a mop. Oh, that, that's just a bunch of crap, we all muttered or variations thereof. All of those sailors were just dancing with a bunch of mops 10 minutes ago. Why can't they grab one of those? I demanded rhetorically. Not sailors. You mean able seamen, said another girl. Student director now, said James R. Coburn. I should not remind you people the theater as a working unit can only succeed as a result of team effort. I'm not going, 
I announced. I can't go, said someone else. I'm on lines today. I brought Coburn aspirin and hot tea earlier. I'm done, said someone else. We all whispered back and forth until it was determined by popular vote, not mine, that I had performed the least amount of recent service. Fine. Fine, I said. Where's the mop anyway? If I do not see a student director out here in the next 15 seconds, you will all be replaced, said James R. Coburn. This was not much of a threat, as Mr. James R. Coburn reminded everyone that they could be replaced approximately three times per rehearsal. Keep your pinafore on, I muttered under my breath and went to swab the deck, during which time the actors took a break, which meant I missed the end of the Jiro and Laura story. But one of the student directors filled me in later. Here's what happened. Jiro was there with his mom only. She and the dad, who was American, just German heritage, had gotten divorced almost as soon as they both hit U.S. soil. And for that reason, Jiro's mom hated near to all Caucasian men. She spoke English, but refused to speak anything but Japanese at the table and would not respond to anything Jiro said to her unless he said it in Japanese. So he was keeping up a continual translation while trying in vain not to make it obvious to both sides that he was editing comments from both languages to make them less offensive or abrasive. As soon as Laura's family got to the table, right away, so Laura couldn't sit next to him, Laura's dad tossed his unchecked coat on the chair next to Jiro, then sat in the chair next to the coat. Then Laura's mom sat down next to Jiro's mom, so Laura and Jiro were seated across the table from each other, and neither child had to sit directly next to the enemy parent. To say that the whole situation in dinner was tense, awkward, and uncomfortable would be like saying HMS Pinafore sucked and I'm Called Little Buttercup is a mind-bendingly fuck-irritating song. All vast understatements. Laura's mom asked Jiro how long he had lived in America. Jiro replied, since he was born. Then she asked if he still had family back in Japan. Yes, Jiro replied, pretty much all my family, cousins, aunts, uncles, grandparents. Oh, said Laura's dad. Your grandparents are still alive? Laura's have passed. And then he gave Laura a meaningful look. Dad, said Laura. What, said her dad. You must really miss your peep, your family, Laura's mom said to Jiro's mom. Do you ever get back to see them? Jiro said something to his mom in Japanese. She replied with a string of rapid-fire Japanese that went on for three minutes. Uh, she says, said Jiro, America is very beautiful. You're damn right it is, announced Laura's dad, downing his whiskey rocks. I guess, patriotically? The waiter arrived. Jiro's mom spoke to Jiro in Japanese. She will have salmon, please, Jiro told the waiter. And as a side, choice of baked potato, mashed potato, rice, or rice pilaf, recited the waiter. Rice, please, said Jiro. What a surprise, mumbled Laura's dad into his napkin so only Laura could hear. Dad, I will get up and leave, said Laura. Laura's mom ordered, then Laura ordered fried oysters. Jiro did the same, and all the parents glared at them. For you, sir, the waiter asked Laura's dad. The biggest steak you got, I want it still mooing. You got me char up the outside all you want. Bleeding on the plate at first slice, announced Laura's dad, etc. And for your side, sir, would you care for, began the waiter, potato baked, Laura's dad said defiantly, and another whiskey, Andrew, said Laura's mom. The waiter left. So, said Laura's mom, making another obviously edgy effort, Jiro, what are your plans after graduation? Um, said Jiro, I'm, um, looking at different colleges, I guess, and getting ready to go to school. Jiro's got early acceptance at MIT said Laura proudly, gazing at Jiro across the table. Laura's dad 
brightened visibly for the first time all evening. MIT, he said. That's a pretty good school, isn't it? Where is that now, California? Dad, said Laura. It's Cambridge, Massachusetts. It's the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. Laura's dad took another drink of whiskey. Andrew, said Laura's mom. She turned to Jiro. What are you planning to study? She asked, making her voice bright. Well, said Jiro, looking at Laura, if I go there, I was interested in majoring in microsystems technology. Microsystems, said Laura's dad, feeling no pain and no shame at this point. Microsystems, that's making things tiny, I guess. Taking technology and making it all shrinky tiny. Andrew, said Laura's mom. Dad, said Laura. Well, said Jiro, yes, um, it's more... It's studying one or more of a range of microstructures and how they can be implemented in a variety of uses. My focus of interest is um, for surgical applications. Oh, well, la de fucking da. You're not smarter than me, said Laura's dad, polishing off his second drink. Andrew said, Laura's mom, I think you've had enough. Laura's dad was about to protest when the food arrived. The waiter put the plates down in front of all of them, one by one. Jiro's mom glanced at her son's plate, then Laura's grabbed Jiro by the upper arm and started laying into him in a high-toned, fastest-yet-Japanese tirade. Laura's parents both looked confused, and then Laura's mom's eyes widened and she turned to Laura's dad while Jiro and his mom were occupied. Aphrodisiac, she said. Oh, mom, don't be stupid God, said Laura. Wasn't said Laura's dad. She's upset because oysters are a known aphrodisiac and both the kids got them, said Laura's mom. Laura's dad's face went dark with fury. He turned to Laura's mom and pointed his steak fork with a big bleeding chunk of meat already skewered on the end of it. My Laura has no intention of making fucky with your boy, he screamed. Jero, his mother, and a good portion of the restaurant turned and stared. Wah, said Jiro. Laura, boomed her dad, you hand over those oysters. You're having this steak. You misunderstand, said Jiro. Jiro's mom started yelling at Laura's dad in Japanese. Talk American, goddammit, yelled Laura's dad. Sir, said the waiter reappearing. Sir, I'm going to have to ask you to. And Laura burst into tears and ran out of the dining room. And that would make a good musical. You could have all the waiters start dancing. There could be a chorus line of oysters come out at some point. The Laura's dad character could be the base of the bunch. What does MIT stand for? At any rate, later on, Jiro explained to Laura that his mom was freaking out because it was spring and you were only supposed to eat oysters in months that had an R in them. Yeah, that sounds like a, like a bunch of made-up shit to me, said her dad. Hey, Puddin', you got an acceptance letter today. It's a Leslie Undergrad Women's College. Uh, where's that now, Montana? The theory about oysters, to eat or not to eat with months with the letter R in it, actually evolved based on when oysters spawn and therefore have more or less nutritional value. They are actually perfectly safe to eat any time of year from a reputable source and also are tasty, just more nutritious sometimes of year. Immediately after the dinner, Laura's parents were both so worked up and agitated and all but forbidding her to go out with Jiro, she ended up quitting the play without telling them, then spending the time they thought she was at rehearsal, sequestered away with Jiro instead, which was very, very miserable for us many student directors. In the first place, it meant we could no longer hear daily detailed updates of her romantic trials and tribulations. And second, 
it meant that one of us had to step in and take over her abandoned role. And guess who was stuck filling the role of the clustering, overhearing, whispering society lady aunt of Sir Joseph Porter, KCB, First Lord of the Admiralty? Well, sure as fuck wasn't me. I mopped. It wasn't my turn to help. <laughs> 